0: Today is a special Father's Day type episode, and we're going to talk about how to really become the dad you wanted to be. And so this is for moms and dads to listen to, but I'm really hoping to invite dads into doing some thinking as you're moving into this celebration of you as a father.
1: Welcome to the Art of Raising Humans.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of The Art of Raising Humans. I'm Kyle.
1: And I'm Sarah.
0: And today we're going to try to do a little something different. So I know this podcast should be coming out the week before, or maybe two weeks before, I think I think the week before, Father's Day. And I thought I want to specifically make a podcast that would be helpful to both mothers and fathers, but specifically speak to dads. Um, because a big heart of, of you know The Art of Raising Humans, but also Sarah's and my uh, private practice called parenting legacy, um, has been to help, um, you know, moms and dads, but for my heart, specifically dads to become the dads I believe they really want to be, you know, and maybe just don't know how. So it's one of my biggest joys in the practice is when I get to help a dad like shift, you know? Um, so one of my goals is to make this podcast shorter. Because I know dads are busy people, and lots of them don't listen to these things. And so I'm thinking, hey, if I make it shorter, maybe they'll listen to it, or at least listen to it on one and a half speed. Um, and my voice, my my voice in the last podcast cracked a few times. It made today too, so I want to apologize in advance because a few times I felt squeaky in the last podcast. And um, and the last podcast was about choices, and I made the choice to not mention it. And so in hopes you would not notice it, but but today we want I want to talk talk about kind of a key change or shift and the dad, I want something that really shifted in me to become the dad I am today, a dad that I'm really proud of. Not to say I do it all perfect. I don't. I don't think that's the goal. I would never ask any dad to be perfect. I think that's gross. <laughs> so I would never do it, I, I think. But, but there is a key step I took that I thought was very helpful to keeping me on track and keeping me focused um, to really going back to the idea of choice, choosing the dad I want to be instead of just becoming a dad, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I, I think you got to be intentional about it. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I wanted, we're going to try something different where, um, you know, Sarah is going to do more of a kind of question kind of, you know, kind of teasing it out. Um, but, but it will be more kind of me talking about my heart, about being a father, um, in, in this podcast.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so I'm going to, we're going to give this a shot where we're like, well, all right, let's just go for it and see what happens. Um, But since we're, we're trying this, it just made me think, please do let us know if you guys have questions or specific things you want to know, because we're, we're wanting to just make this and have it be helpful. And we meet a lot of parents who, who are changing their journey up as parents, just similar to how we did. And, um, so I thought, let's just try this. This will be an interesting thing. Let me ask you and, and find out what that journey looked like what that shift looks like so gonna jump into that yeah. so um i know just to get me started because i think you're probably fine you always have lots of words but to I get me started words, yes. tell me what just being a dad what did what did you as you had i mean as we had our first one and as you yeah. thought about being a dad what went through your head what did that look like
0: um, I would say at first um I went in it with some kind of confidence, um, but that came from a sense of ignorance. I had no idea, you know, I, I feel confident about a lot of things I do. <laughs> so I just assumed being a dad would come natural to me. And, you know, I felt like I could draw from a lot of different types of dads, not only how my dad fathered me, but also other fathers. I, I, I was surrounded by a lot of dads who I thought did things really great. And so I know you and I intentionally, you know, made friends with a lot of families when you were pregnant that had a lot of kids kids that we thought were being raised well, and we had lunch with them or talk with them. So I tried to do a lot of homework to just make sure, okay, I'm doing my, my due diligence. I was a little concerned about the baby taking so much time away from me getting spent time with you. So there was some selfish kind of jealousy there that I was like, Oh, I won't get to spend as much time with Sarah. And she's so cool. Um, so there was some, some anxious anxiety there, but I'd say specifically, especially having Abby, I had this kind of idea. I don't think this is always accurate, but I thought, hey, if Abby someday were to um, marry somebody similar to me, you know, I think I'm a pretty good husband. So in that sense, I went with a lot of confidence. I, I would say, Sarah, really, as we started to have two, you know, I mean, there was some angst within me uh, with just having Abby, but as we had two, especially knowing we have a son, I think that in particular kind of scared me because mm-hmm. it's one thing to think I'm a good husband. It was another thing to think I was a good man in a good, Roma. yeah. And I thought, oh, shoot, it's different if Brennan's going to look up to me and think that's how a man is or something like that. Mm-hmm. That did scare me. And that did, I remember being more emotional when he was born than when Abby was born. Because when Abby was born, it was kind of like, hey, cool, fun. Yeah, we have a kid. This is awesome. Um, but then when Brennan was born, it's was like, oh, my gosh, now we have two. And he's going to look up to me and go, daddy, teach me. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know if I know what I'm doing, you know? And it was about that time that Abby was starting to think for herself and talk. And, and and I was more like, uh-oh, I have to help Sarah. Sarah's been doing such a fabulous job, zero to two, zero to even three. Now I'm feeling like I need to step in. And that's where I started making a lot of mistakes. I started really seeing myself blow up a lot more, get a lot more angry. And I was becoming a person I didn't like and I didn't want to become.
1: One thing you and I really love is parenting, I mean, you hear a lot, you read a lot of books about what parenting is for techniques to do with your child, but you and I are very interested in the internal process of being yes. a parent. Yeah. What, and I think that's what really stood out to me as becoming a parent is, wow, this is so much about me. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be about me just taking care of this child yeah. and yeah. it's about them, yeah. but it's not. It really pulls stuff up inside of you. Yeah. And so you were kind of getting into that about what did it, it pulled up this stuff inside of you where you started to go wait a second, maybe I don't know what I thought I knew. Maybe I don't want to parent the way I thought I was going to parent. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that journey of kind of going, oh, I think I want to parent different. How am I going to do that? What what was that change? How did that happen? What was that like internally?
0: Well, and I think it goes back to Sarah. I was surprised. I didn't know anything about the brain wiring. I, I didn't know that I would naturally default to parenting our kids and being a dad to our kids the way my dad was to me and and so I, I reflect back on how i was my dad was a father to me you know and there's i want to emphasize this that there's many ways my dad was a fantastic dad there's many things still today that i want to pass on to my kids that my dad passed on to me mm-hmm. and they were really fun moments I, I loved going to see star wars with my dad or going or reading comic books we would go pick up comic books or do legos together um and there's so many memories of playing tennis or other types of sports that he would do with me and so there's a lot of things my dad was at every every Game. He coached most of my games. My dad was very involved, but my dad could also get really mad. And, and lots of him and I would get getting really big yelling matches. It wasn't uncommon in that generation growing up in the 80s and 90s. Almost all my kids, friends had, you know, they were getting spanked. Um, you get your ear pulled. You know, that wasn't uncommon to see me or some other kid getting their ear pulled or maybe a little smack in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. So all those things yeah. were common things my dad may, do, may have done when he was upset at me, you know. So I came into it thinking, well, I probably won't smack my kid. I definitely won't pull their ear because I really really hated that but i'm definitely going to need to hit them sometimes <laughs> and that's going to yeah. look like spanking gonna them punitive, yes there's going to be some kind of just I, i'm going to need to be the bigger stronger person i'm going to yeah. need to make sure they know they cannot win when it comes up so that that is something that i got from my dad and whether i wanted to be that dad or not it didn't matter it seemed as if i was becoming that dad mm-hmm. and that to your point to your question that was really worrying me and I I didn't know how to stop it. I just kept like defaulting to that. Like when Abby would get really big and loud, I thought, okay, I know exactly what to do here. I just yell louder. I threaten bigger, you know? Um, And and so I, I didn't like how it felt. I felt some shame afterwards, but it seemed like that's just how it is, you know, as a parent. You, sometimes you got to do these things because you love your kids, and no doubt I think my dad did them because he he loved me too. But I think he did it because of the way he was parented. Yeah, you know? and and at some point in the future, I do want to have a podcast, where it may be maybe a helpful one for me and my dad to sit down and do a podcast together where we talk about even his journey from even that old old school thing about how he was parented, and I think my dad felt like he was doing much less fear, much less violence, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but but I, I didn't, I was trying to be even more different and I didn't seem to be able to do it. I kept failing at it every time.
1: Mm-hmm. So then, um, okay, so I have another question before I get that get to there that kind of brought up, you were saying what things were like. What do you feel like, the message society's message is to dad what's the expectations on a dad what does that look like now and then I'll go into my next
0: okay one. what it, i mean like the message i had yeah or, yeah. Well,
1: or even yeah. what you see out there even now
0: okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I think typically the message still is somewhat the dad is supposed to be the stronger one you know the dad is and I, mean, I know this, this is pretty generalized but mm-hmm. for the most part is the dad needs to be the bigger one he needs to be the heavy you know it's mm-hmm. not it's I don't see it as like anymore where it's like wait till your dad gets home I think moms feel more empowered now if they feel like they've got to be stern or firm they feel like they can do that but, but, but it is still the dad inevitably is the one that's supposed to be the one you're afraid of, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and, and mom is still the nurturing one. So I still see lots of those cultural stereotypes at play. And, and, and I think naturally I, I do, um, connect with that in the sense of, I believe my personality is big. I believe I am really emotive in, in lots Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, but I don't think my, the switch there for me was my strength isn't ever to be used against my kid. You know, it's not there. It's not there to control my kid. Mm -hmm. My strength is meant for my kid. Mm -hmm. And anytime I slip into I'm against you, now I get into a win-lose scenario. And in a win-lose scenario, I win, but my kid loses. And and I raise a kid who thinks he's a loser, you know, Mm -hmm. and or I feel like, oh, I can't. I've got to really be passive. I can't be that angry dad. So now I have to lose and they have to win. You know? Yeah, and 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 so I thought both. I, I typically would never lean that direction, but I could sometimes if I felt ashamed of how mad I got, I might go, okay, I'll just let this go. And you see that a lot of times with mm-hmm. dads. His dads would go, fine, if you're telling me I can't be strong and yell, then I just have to be passive and never say anything. You know, mm-hmm. I've got to almost be a permissive parent. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of see the message I see. I dads say, is them.
1: it that kind of dichotomous? I've either got to be this big, yes. strong, heavy, yeah. or I just need to be the dad who's like laid back and you know, oh, go ask your mom.
0: That that are that even absent. Oh, yeah. I almost yeah. need to leave the situation, right? I see a lot of dads who are saying, fine, you, you don't think I should be yelling and being real mean and threatening my kid. Well, then I just can't even be there. I just need to leave. So they just leave the situation and they no longer address the conflict.
1: Yeah. You know? So what happened inside of you? What was that? How did that shift happen?
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, there, there was a big shift, you know, so I'll first say the shift and then talk about the technique I use that I'd like to invite a lot of dads into trying. But But the shift was, you know, finding out, what fear does to the brain and what love Mm -hmm. does to the brain. And so first I had to understand that idea that me being scarier, doesn't actually help anybody. So the scarier I get, the less likely they are to be self-controlled, the less likely they are to actually be able to think through the issue. So I'm asking them to take control of themselves while I'm getting more scary. And I know when I'm scared, I lose control of myself. I don't get and then looking at all that going, that's so true. Even watching it in animals. I mean that that was one went went to a, a horse ranch where a guy was really good with horses. And like you he didn't get the horses to do what he wanted by scaring them. He did it by coming alongside them, connecting with them and showing they could trust him. And then he's like, I could scare them. I could make these horses do what I want. But as soon as my eyes are gone, they're going to take off. Yeah, you know? and I thought that's so true. How kids feel too is as soon as you're not watching me, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Yeah, you know? but he's like, when the horses trust me, when we have a connection. I thought, why can't that translate? So those kind of things all happened within like a span of a year or two, where I was getting all these messages of like fear doesn't help. You know, mm-hmm. like like when when a tornado's coming and we live in Oklahoma, tornadoes. I don't get scarier. I don't go, hey, it's gonna be really helpful to talk about how scary the tornado is. I actually try to like, hey, let's calm down. Let's you know, and I, I believe. Us managing the fear and calming it down is actually going to help us in the situation make more um, you know, healthy decisions, smart decisions, good decisions, whatever. And so I thought, if I want my kids to grow up and make those kind of choices and decisions, fear and strength isn't the way to do it. And I want them to always know my strength and power is to come alongside. It's for you. So when you see how big and strong and scary dad can get, it's actually never meant against you. I'm not, I don't want to be against you. I want to be for you. So I want to make sure, you know, my power isn't there to scare you. It's there to support you and guide you.
1: So that was sort of the aha uh-huh, that yes. happened, realizing you wanted to leave fear behind. You wanted to move into a different approach. Yeah. You, you wanted to, yeah, just do a fear, not a, a not fear-based parenting. Yeah. So how hard has that been? What is that? What did that internal, again, I want to keep going into what, yeah. what yeah. was that like for yeah. you as a dad? Cause you, so there's some society pressure, There's some how you were raised. There's um, thinking that technique was the one to use to be successful, to raise children successfully. That's a lot to leave behind. Yeah. And that sounds hard to me. Yeah. So what has that been like?
0: Well, and I think the reason why it's hard, too, is think if I don't do it, then what does that look like? You know, not only what does it look like for me, but what does the outcomes look like for my kids, you know? because when you're raised in this culture it's a very dichotomous culture it's an either or culture you're either you know being domineering or you're you know completely absent or passive right and so my thought was oh my gosh how can i raise healthy kids this way i've never seen it done I don't know any dads doing this, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were dads Mm -hmm. and I I might've even known some, right. But I I didn't, I didn't clearly know what that looked like. And I didn't know what the outcome was. So it, it caused a lot of uncertainty in my heart because I thought, what am I doing? How, well, what does that look like when they're 18? What kind of kids are they going to become? Right. And there even is a lot of fear discussion. If the dad isn't coming down hard on the kids or isn't being the heavy or isn't whatever, then you're going to have kids who get arrested. Someday the police are going to get them, which Mm -hmm. I kind of, at that time kind of bought into that until I worked with, people who'd been arrested and lots of them, almost all of them to a T had homes that were very, you know, loud and, you know, conflictual and, you know, they didn't come from these great homes where they resolved conflict really well. You know? well
1: and I think along that same lines, I hear people and I know I've, I, you know, I've had this thought Or you think, I mean, sure, I'm not perfect, but I turned out fine. Mm-hmm. So, so I at least have that to depend on. Yeah. But I don't know what this other is yes, going to hold.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, I know what fine looks like. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're saying this could be better, but it also could be worse. So I think we tend to stick with what we know, right? It's so scary to go into this unknown. Very scary. So, so I, th- I think the technique that shifted it for me um, it is 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 I needed to. I was trying to think of Sarah, like, how do businesses do this? Like, when you go in and create a new business, how do they? decide the culture they want to have in that business, right? If they aren't intentional about it, they're going to lead that business the way all of their bosses led businesses when they were employees, right? Mm -hmm. So now as an entrepreneur or whatever, now they're the head of their business, they're just going to repeat the same culture they had, both good ways and bad ways, um, you know, positive and negative, unless they're intentional about the culture they want to create. So I was like, oh, I think that has something to do with it. And so I was thinking something that... Business owners do, or or people who are starting organizations maybe not just businesses but organizations they have a mission statement almost to a T. All of them create a culture that comes out of the mission statement, you know, about first of all, who is it that they want to be as the leader. You know, if they were to describe that, if they wanted, you know, how would they want their employees to, to talk about them outside of the business? You know, how would they want them to describe them their leadership, but then also. What what is the culture you're inviting these employees into, yeah. right? And, yeah. and 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 I, I had read some business books around that time, or read studies about that, and even in our uh, like career counseling and stuff like that, that people want to be part of a business that has a culture that clearly has a mission and purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, what is our mission and purpose? You know, like you and I had never like really clearly defined that. We hadn't mm-hmm. talked about that. We, we we couldn't say our family is about this, you know. Yeah. And so then how are our kids know what it's about, right? And and so so I know there's some you do see some of that like in cute ways at Hobby Lobby or other kind of these like our yeah. family's this, this is our family. Lots we of them are live, like
1: live, laugh, love and dance. Exactly.
0: So <laughs> and some of those are are, are helpful, you know, yes, some of those kind of yes. get you thinking that way, but lots of times they're just like slogans or mm-hmm. things that are a lot of times the kids may not even read it or know what it means, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so so, I remember going to a park and thinking, what is my vision statement? So, if I'm going to sit down, and instead of just becoming a dad, through the circumstances of dealing with my kids, right? And that's what I was defining myself was every interaction with my kids, both negative and positive, were like, okay, that's the dad I am or like, no, shoot, I'm still that kind of dad. Or like, and it seemed so circumstantial. I didn't have a clear vision. It was kind of like if the kids were having a great day that day, I feel like a great dad. If me and the kids had a lot of arguments that day and I screwed up that day, I feel like a horrible dad, you know? yeah. So yeah. I was constantly tossing back and forth. Um, uh, how I viewed myself as a dad. I didn't have a clear path to where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. So I remember sitting down at a park and I thought, I'm going to write a vision statement. Um, And and what I was thinking about was, what would I want Abby, Brennan, and Ellie to say about me someday when they're 18? If someone said, hey, what kind of dad was your dad? You know? Mm -hmm. And I thought, what would I want them to say about me? What kind of dad would I hope they saw me as? Not what, not... Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Go, go. As I'm thinking of my own vision statement, I'm getting kind of cheered up. But um, but yeah, I'm just thinking like I want to control that destiny in the sense of I get to decide that that is my choice. Yeah. I get to choose what kind of dad I want to become, and then I, I hope that it does become reality. So mm-hmm. so I wrote about I try to think about Sarah, all the dads I admired, um, things about my own dad that I admired. Right. Mm-hmm. So I try to take pieces from a lot of them, but some of it was just me kind of opening myself up to dream, to dream. You know, just to. You you know, like, I think that's what really, uh, really big entrepreneurs do is they, they shoot for something big that almost sounds crazy. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost like impossible. There's no way you can achieve that. And so I wanted to be this dad, not the dad that was perfect. You know, that wasn't my goal. I didn't go vision statement, be perfect dad. <laughs> you know, right. I wanted to have a vision statement that clearly defined the dad I wanted my kids to see me as, mm-hmm. and I stopped, I wanted to stop being tossed back and forth by the waves of daily circumstances, mm-hmm. by the interactions with the kids. So for me, that was a big step to getting my settings, you know, like, you know, honed in and then walking a path.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of how you hear this a lot. How do you want to show up? Mm. But that's what I what you're describing to me that seems to fit. Yeah. How, regardless of all this other stuff around, how do I want to be present in my children's life? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I going to be in my children's life? And, that's very different than how am I going to punish them or how am I going to, you know, these outside things. It was like, who are you going to be yeah. as a person yeah. in your children's life? And, and I love the vision statement We or yeah. the mission statement. You know, there's tons of studies. I think everyone has heard how important it is to have something like that because every day you can wake up or in those moments where you feel like you're being tossed again, it's, it brings you back. It yeah. grounds you to go, this is who I am. This is where I'm going. Yeah. And every day I can wake up and make a step in that direction. And, and not, not towards perfection, like you said, but it gives me direction. So if I don't, I don't want to skip anything, so jump in. But I, but I think, okay, so you made that move. That sounds like the day-to-day, two years down the road, four years down the road. How, how has that been? How do you feel? Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I would say before that, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to answer that question. I want to say there's a few, que- just a couple questions I did ask myself is mm. basically like, why did I have kids? What mm-hmm. was the point? Yeah. Right. I, I don't think I'd asked myself that question much before that. It was just like, mm-hmm. well, we're married and we're going to want to have kids. People do just have yeah, kids. <laughs> that's what you do. Right. So like, it's about time. We're getting older. So, you know, we waited till our thirties. Um, so it's like, well, okay. Why did I have kids? What was the point of that? What kind of human beings do I hope they become? Um, what kind of human being do I need to be in order to model that to them? You know, and so I think a lot of this was the vision I had for them, too. You know, mm-hmm. and if I can be real vulnerable with you, Sarah, is, you know, I tell clients that sometimes is I think my dad wanted to be a different kind of dad. And I don't think he had anybody helping him do that. And I don't think he knew how to ask for help about that. I don't think he even had a vision of what that could look like. You know, so to some extent, every dad, I feel like I get to help is in some extent I'm, I'm that, I'm I'm that, I'm that kid looking up at my own dad and saying, Oh, I wish somebody could help my dad be that dad he wants to be. Mm -hmm. And so now that I am in a position to do that, maybe I can be that for some other kid. You know, Mm -hmm. I can help be that resource for that dad and help that little kid who's hoping their dad can become the dad they want to be. You know? And so I think now having done that vision statement, I did that probably 10 years ago. Um, it's been a decade and I feel really excited. You know, um, it's not like I go back and read it every day. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. but I probably at least every year, a couple times a year, I look at it and kind of just get my settings correct. But no different than I do, you and I wrote a vision statement about parenting legacy, you know, yeah. and about where we want to take the practice. Same way, I don't read that every day, but it does help me make my choices, right? So when we have opportunities to do certain things, I go, does that fit in with the vision statement we have for the business? So, in the same way, does it fit in with the vision I have to, to be a dad? <laughs> Do you mind if I read the vision statement real quick?
1: No, I, okay. I don't.
0: Um, so, so I want to share this with you, and I want to give a, 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 pre- a prem a preface, a premise, (laughs) I want to give a a, whatever, a disclosure, but there is some religious language in it. Okay. So, so faith is important to Sarah and I. And so in this, in this vision statement, I did use some religious language, but when you're doing a vision statement, I don't think you have to do that. Okay. So if dads are saying, Hey, I'd like to do this, you know, and so I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I want to show you kind of what I'm meaning. And it doesn't, your vision statement doesn't have to be as long as this. It could be shorter. It could be longer, you know? Um, But I'm wanting to show you just an example of what I'm saying and how it's shaped where I'm going. Um, And so then when if you decide to do it, I think it'd be a fantastic gift to give your family on Father's Day. So if you as a dad decide to write the vision statement, to read it to your family and say, this is the kind of dad I hope I am someday. Yeah. It's not that it's not the dad I am now, but it's the dad I aspire to be. Yeah. So here's what I wrote. And once again, remember, I'm just dreaming. So I'm going to say things like, you are this kind of dad. That that wasn't the dad I was. (laughs) It's just the dad I want to be, right? So I said, you are a relentless and passionate father that will not settle for anything less than the hearts of your children. You are a father that will do everything he can to protect your children from fear and shame. You are a father that dreams of children with the freedom to give love openly and accept love courageously because they know their value and their worth comes from the one that first loved them without condition or cause. You are a father that will do everything he can to set up an environment where his children never believe their worth and value is based on their performance. You are a father that will model unconditional love as much as he can and when he fails at it, he will model humility and ask for forgiveness no matter how how many times he fails, he'll continue to seek forgiveness. You are a father that will pursue the heart of God so his children will know that is where it all started and where it will all end. You are a father that will continue to work on treating his wife with the love, respect, and dignity she deserves because he knows that his relationship impacts, this relationship impacts his children more than any other relationship in their lives. You are a father that will give grace to his children because he knows that change can only happen when he truly loves and accepts his children as they are and not as they should be. So so you can see in there a lot of language um in there even tied into how I treat you, Sarah, and how I talk to you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I believe all those components, I try to tie into all those things. And to be honest with you, Sarah, I, I actually don't even remember the moment I wrote this. It was almost mm-hmm. like I was in this kind of mindless, just, I just started writing. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I did some tweaking. I'm sure there was things I, I wanted to change or ways in which I wanted to reword things. But it came out pretty quickly. It was just a matter of intentionally taking the time to say, what do I really want to pass on to my kids? Is it... How to play soccer great is it to be fantastic at ping pong <laughs> you know, i don't think it is <laughs> i think there's more things that are deeper that i really hope the kids get from me and so um th- that that's my vision statement and thank you for, for for letting me share it you know
1: so what has been to uh, I, I know we're probably getting low on time what's been the hardest about the last 10 years in trying to make this change and then what's been the most rewarding
0: Okay. I think the hardest thing is the constant failure at it. So a lot of times not, not meeting it. So had to do a lot of internal work about that to really move away from shame is once again, never in there does it say, be a perfect dad. So every time I go back to old habits of raising my voice of being condescending or arrogant at times with the kids or upset with them, um, going back and forgiving myself and doing exactly what I said there and actually going, wait, this fits into this, right? Is these moments of mess ups actually are part of the vision. It was never for them to see a perfect dad. It was to see a dad who knows what to do when he messes up, right. Mm -hmm. To also model to them. So, so working through that. So I'd say the biggest successes are just the connection with the kids and really seeing it It has never been. I don't want to be like my dad. I mean, I think maybe Mm -hmm. early on it was like, there was parts like, I don't want to do that. Like my dad did it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think every kid, you know, every parent does that. Right. Mm -hmm. But instead I think the most rewarding part is I don't really think that way anymore. I Mm -hmm. instead think about the dad I want to be. So I, I encourage a lot of dads of like, stop trying to not be a certain type of dad, just embrace the dad you want to be. So I think 10 years into this, That's what I do every day is I just embrace the dad I want to be. And there's very little thought about the dad I don't want to be, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's been the most successful thing because I think that really opens the door um, to me not giving in the shame and fear as much and really being able to move into becoming the very dad I always dreamed I would become. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like the fear you had early on? About, oh, no, is this really going to work out? Yeah. yeah. Now you've been 10 years on this path. Where's that fear?
0: No fear at all about that. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I want to encourage any of you dads who are thinking about making that shift. It's been so much better than I ever thought it would be. Um, You know, in regards to how it's strengthened our marriage um, and also how it's strengthened the relationship with the kids. That the way um, I've seen the kids grow in self-control and self-discipline and, um, to the, the freedom to really express themselves, but to do it in a way that brings more light into the world, more love to the world. Um, but also for them to be able to stand up for themselves and really strong. And all, all those things are fantastic outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I, we trusted certain people in this arena, Sarah, when we first started this yeah. and especially me as a dad, cause most of those voices were yes. women, yes. they weren't men, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but along that way, I've seen nothing but fantastic fruit and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Been no regrets on that journey,
1: and the connection. Yeah, vital. Yeah, from my perspective, yeah, I love to see the connection. Yeah, with you know, you, you I, I would say that I see more in the world connections with moms and children where we all struggle, but it's neat to see uh, the dad-child connection. Yeah. That's pretty neat.
0: Well, I want to start with asking your forgiveness because this was long. <laughs> <laughs> it was not short. My, intent, short of it my being... intent was for it to be short, dads, and I'm so sorry. It ended up being 30 minutes. So I hope this was really helpful. You know, if there's some moms who listened to this some wives and thought, man, I really hope my husband was, I hope this is a doorway for them to be open to listening to this. So every dad, I want to encourage you that you can become the dad you want to be. I think if you intentionally sit down and just really dream and dream about that dad instead of letting the waves of circumstances dictate the dad you're becoming, I think you'll be really excited. It's much more empowering to to move towards something than push away from something, you know? So we'd love to hear your feedback. If some of you dads write some vision statements, I would love to hear your vision statements. Love for you to email them to me. You can put comments on the, you know, on the, any place you're getting the podcast, you know, you can comment there. Love for you to give us ratings, share this, be a great thing for father's day for you to share a vision statement with your kids and your spouse. And so anyways, hope this was helpful and appreciate you just allowing me to be vulnerable with you today.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: The Art of Raising Humans podcast should not be considered or used as counseling, but for educational purposes only.